Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Word of the Lord. Uh, let me pray for us as we uh, hop into this sermon. So Lord, can your words seep into our hearts and our souls this morning. Spirit of God, we call upon you. May you illuminate your words of life to help us live the life that you desire for us. God, thank you and help us to be able to receive every promise that you have laid before us. And we pray this in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. NFC Church. Uh, If you brought a Bible with you this morning, I'd encourage you to turn to where Joyce just read our passage this morning. It is in Matthew chapter 5. That's where we will be in the text today. Uh, If you are new to the Bible or you are exploring faith, we'll have the words displayed on the screen. Uh, If you're navigating the Bible, it's kind of in the last third. Uh, If you find Mark or Luke or John, you've gone too far. you got to stop right before that. Matthew's kind of in that first Uh, or that last part of that third. The question that I want to ask you today is simply, do you know where your dragons lie? It's a very normal question to ask yourself for 2023. Uh, In the medieval era, people were able to locate where the dragons lied by a really fun Word. I learned this word uh, just a couple weeks ago. It is pronounced the Mapamundi. Okay? The Mapamundi would let you know where the dragons lie. Now, if you are not familiar with this term, this is a Latin term for cloth world. And back in England, around 1025, we actually have traces of Mapamundis. These were the first world maps. Okay, these were the world trying to figure out and lay out the world. Now, if you were to look at one of these maps, they're really interesting because you see wherever the map maker lives, they put themselves right in the middle of the map. And then surrounding the map, especially with the territory that was either unexplored or they hadn't been to yet, they would simply draw a dragon in the empty space and they would write underneath it, here be dragons. This is actually very common. If you go even further back in the days of Rome, they would actually transcribe on their maps in areas that were unknown to them. They would actually write in just dead spaces. They would say, here lies lions. And then if you were working with the seas and no one had explored those seas before, they would write, here lies sea monsters. So you have to choose. Do you want dragons, sea monsters, or lions? That's your options. And this is the way that they navigated geographically the world. If you saw here be dragons, it was a way of someone else saying to you, There is potential danger. There is tested danger. Or this is an uncharted territory that we are entering into. 
as I was reading on this, I even found that uh, some computer programmers actually still use this in code today, that sometimes they will actually put in code, here be dragons, as a way of saying, we don't understand how the code works, but don't tweak it because it works right now, and we have no idea how to even fix it. And for the most part, for people who are trying to navigate something geographically, this instinct is now outdated for us, right? You pull out your Google Maps and you're able to do it. Google Maps is the only option, okay? We've been through this several times. There is no other app, okay? That's not Jesus' words. Those are Zane's words. But this instinct is outdated for us geographically. But I want to propose to you that humans are not done navigating the world. Maybe you don't need help navigating the world geographically. But I believe this instinct is still deep inside us relationally. Everyone has a few relational dragons, right? Relational areas that are either dangerous, they're potentially dangerous, or they are relational aspects that we have just not explored with another person. They're, they are the areas, you just went through them in holidays, they're just the areas or dynamics or conversations that you know are choppy waters with other people. Where things have either been left unsaid or too much was said. Areas of relationships where things were either addressed or they were addressed poorly or they have never been addressed. Let me paint for you maybe a couple of relational dragons in your life. How about the relationship of the person who you have now instituted the silent treatment with? How about the person who you have not responded to their text for weeks or years? How about the relational dynamic where there is not only just an elephant in the room, but you have let the elephant become a pet. Okay, it just exists in that relationship. What about the moment where you blew up and things got out of hand and you have never circled back to that moment? We just swept it under the rug. We just pretend like it didn't happen. It was a bad day, bad dream. That's all we did with it. She's feeling it, okay? What about that coworker who you have settled to be passive aggressive? Or let's be honest, you're just aggressive now, okay? that instead of telling them what is going on, you just feel like it's a lost cause and you just don't say it at all. We may not have geographical dragons, but we most certainly have relational dragons. Wherever we have relational disconnection in our lives is where we tend to have what I'm going to call for this series simply tough talks. Very few of us love them. Many of us run from them. And for those of us who are fighters and not fighters, usually we can be abrasive with them. And Jesus knew something about tough conversations. As a matter of fact, throughout Jesus' life, he did not avoid them, but he actually spoke into them. And one of the places where we know this to be true in Jesus' life is when Jesus gets up 
on a mound. And he says, this is what discipleship with me looks like. He actually touches on what tough conversations look like. When he paints a picture to say, if you're going to share life with me, if you're going to live God's ways, you're going to run into a couple of tough talks. And in Matthew 5, this is one of the areas where Jesus actually talks about it. Now, when Jesus first addresses this, he starts out with this phrase in the very beginning. You have heard that it was said. What Jesus is going to do is in that very first verse, he's going to quote the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. Jesus was a Bible nerd, okay? He believed in the scriptures that he was raised with and was handed to. I guess I emphasize that to say this. When Jesus historically got on the earth, he wasn't like, I got a new version of God. All right, you better buckle your seatbelt. This is what it's going to look like. No, 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 no. Jesus recognized the God of Yahweh. And Jesus found value in the scriptures because they identified God and they revealed the nature of God. And when you hear Jesus say, you've heard that it was said, but I say, you may initially think, okay, so he's negating what has been said and he's giving a new way. And that's not actually the way that Jesus frames this. He frames it by saying, you've heard that it was said. The law has said, do not murder. Another way of saying this is, this is at the heart of God. He is not negating the scripture, but he's reinterpreting it. Because the gift of Jesus to all of our lives is that he doesn't just want you to know what God's about, but he wants you to slowly start doing the work of what motivates you to live this life with God. Maybe one way to hear that phrase, you've heard that it was said in a modern way, is to hear Jesus saying, so far you've operated. So far you have survived by. So far you have made it out. You haven't murdered anyone. Gold star. Accomplished. But this is the starting place and not the end goal. Because Jesus cares not just about the outcome of the heart, but also the motivation of the heart. And Jesus wants us to know that what truly sends people down the road of murder in the first place, of this extreme example of murder, is actually our everyday anger. Jesus says it starts simply with where you find anger, animosity, displeasure, aggravation, hurt, upset, and disconnection. And Jesus says, wherever there's disconnection, this is where the soul work of God is available to you. That Jesus wants to start working on your heart. Sharing life with God means that we engage in the soul work that helps us live the ways of God. And Jesus is extremely annoyingly practical when it comes to what this needs to look like, right? He gives you two examples right off the bat of what he means by what the soul work even looks like. The first one is found in verse 22. So he says, uh, anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. 
And anyone who says, you fool, I love that, you fool, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Do not miss this. If you want to find disconnection in your life, simply monitor your inner and outer dialogue about someone or to someone. When you stand in the hallway and you dismiss or insult or speak poorly or do not trust or roll your eyes, you have found a place of disconnection. For the sake of smaller ears in the room, I cannot give you terminology that is sharp enough for the word raka. It would be a word of insult. Quite frankly, it would be a word that probably some of us have actually used to describe people that we are close to in our lives. It would be a word that my grandmother would immediately apply the soap to the tongue. You know what I'm saying? Like, no question, no conversation. That's not an ambiguous area. She's like, nope, you said it. Here it comes. You know, that is the type of terminology with it. I want you to think for a second. Have you ever just been aggravated or angered or agitated or upset? And you just start having a pretend conversation about someone. You ever just like, you ever just daydream a little bit of like what it would be like to be like, you know what? Like, I'm just, I'm going to tell them what to. If I saw them next time I saw them, I think I would just lay it on them. Okay, I would say, like, I feel like I just walk around, and I'm like, I would tell them this, and I would tell them this, and I would tell them this, and I would tell them this. And then, like, the person walks by me, and they're like, hey, and I'm like, oh, hey, Tim, you know, and then that's it. Um, <laughs> where is the inner Tim? We're all good. That was just an example. Okay, I'm pretty sure we're good. Okay, I just saw your face. It, it worked. All right, anyways. Where is your inner or outer dialogue towards someone? Disconnected. If you monitor your inner and outer dialogue and you find that there's disconnection with that person, you have found a relational dragon. And if that one didn't do it for you, Jesus is like, I got another round for you, okay? If that one didn't work for you, you don't feel like that applied to you, I got another one for you. It's starting in verse, tw uh, verse 23 now. Uh, so he says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember, and notice, he says brother or sister. He doesn't keep this distant. He said, I want you to think about someone that's real close, like really close to you. When you're offering your gift there at the altar, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go and be reconciled with them, and then come back and offer your gift. It's as if Jesus is saying, don't just think about the people who have started something with you, but also think about what have you started with someone else where could someone see disconnection with you now it's really really fascinating okay if you go to the original language for this word something guess what it translates to something okay like that's how deep it is like it's super ambiguous what something is you're like jesus give me a little bit more give me a little more measurement of what something means and you know granted just to say this pastorally something does not qualify as someone has just a petty disagreement with you or you just have a different preference or you feel like you know they just don't communicate with you as much as it would no jesus is talking about anger the things that disrupt our souls with it 
But Jesus stays very ambiguous to what the something of anger is. Maybe a simple way to hear it is just this. If the way they talk about you is tough, or the way you talk about them is really rough, then you most likely have a tough talk on your hands. And then Jesus assures us that if we have a tough talk on our hands, it's all good. Pretend like it's not happening. Sweep that bad boy under the rug. Nope. He says, you got to talk about it. You got to bring it up. You got to work on it. You got to seek reconciliation. The way he actually puts it, starting in verse uh, 23, is therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. In essence, going to the altar would be worship. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Sell matters quickly with whoever's opposing you, who's taking you to court. Do it while you're still together or on the way. Or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. And truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, Jesus is going to use temple language here. Now, this feels very distant for us, right? We're like, okay, I don't know what that really means. But this would be very close to the people of their day. And what, how Jesus is framing it is quite comical, actually, for him to be like, you just need to leave the gift there, and you need to go get reconciled, get right with that person, and then come back, okay? It's kind of like the comical conversations my wife and I have uh, regularly. Um, we, uh, we have tough talks. Uh, we do. We're, we're, we're getting some reps in. And uh, that, that was funny. I guess not. Um, <laughs> uh, we, one of our tough talk conversations is always uh, getting somewhere on time. Okay, any amens in the room? Okay, there's some, there's some struggle that happens there. And one of the things that just, it naturally happens, right? If you've ever met my spouse, let me say two things. One, she's better than I am, okay? She's definitely, she got figured out. I'm still figuring out life. But one of the things that is like a core attribute to her is she leaves nowhere, okay, without three things in her life. She needs tissues. She needs water. And she needs chapstick. Okay? We don't go anywhere without those three items. We have been known to have rough, tough conversations because we will be well into a trip and we do not have one of those three items. And we will go back home to just pick up one of those three items if we're missing them. And sometimes it's a major inconvenience, but I've come to a point where I've now surrendered. Okay, if we don't have tissues, water, and chapstick, we're going back to the house and getting it, no matter how late we are to a social event. I guess I've just come to the conclusion that she's extremely worried that we're going to get stranded in a desert, catch a cold, and have chapped lips the entire time. So I just let it happen. And, and we've had to be like, is this really necessary? Do we really need to go back for these three items? Which the answer is yes, always yes. Uh, and that is kind of the comical scenario that Jesus is setting up with the temple. He's been, if he were saying this to people in Galilee, the temple would be days away. Okay, You would go to the temple and you would spend money buying an animal to offer it. And then you would stand in line to actually offer that said animal. There was no HEB self-checkout 
Okay? You had to do it yourself. And Jesus is saying, hey, if you took several days to get here, you spent money, you invested in this thing, and then you remember that there's disconnection in your life. I want you to negate all of it. I want you to go back home. I want you to go do it. It almost sounds outlandish that Jesus would say reconciliation is more important than worship sometimes. And what's between the text is reconciliation is worship to God. It takes sacrifice. It takes time. It's usually never convenient. And it matters to God. Whether you think it matters or that person thinks that it matters, it matters to God. And Jesus actually says, I want you to come to terms quickly with those that you have disconnection with. And that isn't Jesus being like, if you immediately realize it, you need to go in guns a-blazing. You just need to be like, ah, you know, I remember that I had this tension with someone. I'm just going to blurt it out, and I'm just going to get it all out there. I'm going to give them, you know, word throw up just all over them. There is wisdom, and I would argue the library of Scripture supports this, that there is times and places and postures in which it's the right time to have a tough talk. Now, if there's one thing we can hear from Jesus is that we go to great lengths to have tough talks. And the reason we go to great lengths is because of the gospel. Because God has gone to great lengths to connect him and us together. You are meant for connection. If you have never started relationship with God, or you feel like your relationship with God right now is dull, you need to hear that God at God's core wants to connect with you. It's what the love of God even means. And for love to mean connection, and for us to be disconnected, means that God seeks reconciliation with us. There are choices that have been made for you and choices you have made yourself that have disconnected you from God. It has left you in the words of Scripture dead. You have nothing to offer to God. And the good news of God is that Jesus has lived in a way that we have not. He has died in a way that he should have not. And his life has saved us and enabled us to live life in a way that we cannot on our own. One early thinker by the name of Karl Barth used to say it like this. Jesus is God's promise that he is on your side. In Jesus Christ, God's not playing sides. He's not with you one moment and he's not against you in the next moment. God is for you and he is with you. I want you to hear me this morning. You might feel like no one is with you at your work right now, but the promise of Jesus God is with you. You might have felt at the holidays like none of your family was for you, but the good news of Jesus is that God is for you. You may feel disconnected from God or disconnected from this church, but that does not mean that God is not with you or for you. This God is serious about connection. 
is the gospel of Jesus Christ that this God has gone to great lengths across burial, resurrection to connect with us. This God is serious about connection. And the way you connect yourself to this God who has already connected himself to you is by reconnecting with other people. It's as if Jesus is saying, if you want to vertically connect with God, it also is horizontally connecting with others. When you horizontally work on your relationships, it is also vertically working on your relationship with God. Sure, it is tough to have hard talks with someone who has something against you. It is hard to have tough talks with someone who is not for you. But every time we do it, we identify ourselves with the God who is with us and is for us. Let me take one more lap at this. There is a uh, Disney movie that if you are not aware of, uh, I'm about to inform you, okay? I'm about to give you some street cred. All right, if you've not heard of the Disney movie Encanto, all right, click out a pen. I'm about to do it for you, all right? You're going to get some street cred with your grandkids or your kids. If you have families, you know. You know the movie Encanto because you've heard it a thousand times probably right now. There's a song in Encanto that has just infiltrated like our children, like they just sing it waking up in the morning now. And it is the song, we don't talk about Bruno. Mm -hmm. We know in this church, we know. Okay? We haven't had something like this since Frozen. Okay? We're still reeling from it. And Kanto is this story of this young girl, Mirabel, in the midst of a tragedy that happens in her life. She cannot move forward with life until she goes and finds her ostracized uncle, which his name is. Mm -hmm. And one of the most iconic songs that has been played on YouTube 133 billion times is this song, We Don't Talk About Bruno. And it is this song. I know this gives me nightmares. <laughs> it is this song of montage of people talking about this Uncle Bruno, but the iconic and ironic part is, in the song, no one has actually spoken to Bruno. Everyone just talks about Bruno. Near the end of the song, it literally goes, he has a seven-foot frame, rats along his back. When he calls your name, it all fades to black. Yeah, he sees your dreams, and he feasts on your screams. And the rest of the journey is Maribel trying to figure out who is Bruno. May I offer to you, the challenge of Mirabel is the challenge to each of us in our lives. It is way easier to talk about someone than to talk to someone. For us to try to approach that way of life is like drinking salt water and hoping to be rehydrated. In the words of James 1.20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. When disconnection exists, and this is the why to do it, when disconnection exists, it slowly disconnects us from ourselves. 
it punishes us now. When Jesus tells of the story of, you know, if you don't do it with the judge, the judge will hand you over to the officer and the officer will hand you over and you may be thrown into prison. Jesus is giving you escalation language. When we do not have tough talks, it ultimately imprisons us, not the other person that we think we're doing it. And the hope of God is that Jesus doesn't tell us that we should never get angry, that we should never find ourselves in a place of disconnection. But the good news is that you can handle anger differently. That you can go about these tough talks differently. And that's what we're going to do in this series for the next couple of weeks. Just to give you a roadmap of where we're going. Today's the why. Tomorrow, or not tomorrow. Come back tomorrow. Don't come back tomorrow. No one will be here. Okay. All right. The next Sunday will be receiving tough words. Week three will be giving tough words. Week four will be sources of tough talks. I don't know who's preaching that one, but that'll be a hard one. Number five will be just, dis- I'm uh, preaching. Number five is disagreements. And six is how do we move on after a tough conversation? So the ask of this sermon, how do you say yes to the words that Jesus gives you? I would like you this week to simply spend time asking yourself where the dragons lie. Is there a talk that has been pushed off, ignored, dismissed, or overdue? And if you evaluate your life and you say, I don't have one currently right now, my next layer of request to you is to simply be mindful of who your Bruno is. Who's the person that things slowly escalate with them? And how can we be mindful of making sure things don't escalate with that person in a way that is unhealthy and hard for each of them? One way I just remind you to be able to do this, and I'm going to start doing this as well on Sunday, is uh, there's rubber bands that are in the back of the auditorium. And one of the things I'm going to do throughout this series is I've actually prayed, and I do have a tough talk that I will engage in at some point during this sermon series. Uh, But what I'm going to do is, as I prepare for that tough conversation, I'm actually going to wear the rubber band on my wrist. And it's just going to serve as a reminder to be prayerfully considerate to be praying about that tough conversation that is coming up. And if you want to join me in that exercise, you can grab a rubber band that is in the back. You can wear it on your wrist. It's very discreet, right? So like no one's going to be walking around and be like, hey, why are you wearing that thing right now? Like just you can know about it. But it's one of the ways to prayerfully consider how can we take the words of Jesus serious in our lives and try it out with each other. You know, if you're anything like me, sometimes I sweep things under the rug and don't have tough talks, uh, quite frankly, because sometimes I'm just not sure it's going to matter. Like, I, I, I just don't know if I actually bring this up, is anything actually going to change? What if I actually make things worse if I do it? And one of the things I remind myself as a follower of Jesus is that I live in an already but not yet world. What I mean by that is Jesus has already come, even if not all the world knows it yet. The power of the kingdom of God, the spirit of God has already come, but it's not the only power that exists right now. 
And my role as a follower of Jesus is to simply have the conversation before Jesus returns. To just be faithful to what Jesus asked me to do. And then I lean into the not yet. Because even if the conversation doesn't go the way I hoped, if the conversation goes in a way that's rougher, if the conversation goes in a way where it doesn't seem like the needle moves anything, the hope that I hold on to is that one day anger and disconnection, frag, fragments of life, distrust, all of that will be healed by the return of Jesus. So I have the conversation right now. And I wait for the reconciliation that's not yet here. Nothing expresses more the relationship of God than reconciled relationships. If you were to offer it to someone that matters in your life, you would be giving them the gift that God has gifted to you. And it all starts with a tough talk. So God, we... Uh, we struggle with these words. Uh, the, these words are kind of hard for us. Holy Spirit, we need your help to be able to discern how you are inviting us into tough conversations, how you're inviting us to address our frustrations or our angers or our areas of just disconnection with other people. Jesus, by your body and blood that we took this morning, can you heal us? to be people that are bridges of connection and not disconnection. Lord, come quickly, because our world is hurting. We are murdering each other. We are violent towards each other. And we need you in your kingdom right now in this time. We pray it in your son's name. Amen.